welcome to the Maritime Podcast. You are listening to Gary Howard, Europe Editor of Sea Trade Maritime News. Today we have an in-conversation episode with LP Petraki, Business Development Manager at Enea Management and President of Worcester Hellas. This episode marks the inaugural IMO International Day for Women in Maritime on May 18th, and so LP and I discuss the work underway and the work still left to do to improve diversity in our industry both ashore and at sea. We then lean on LP's expertise and experience to explore the short sea shipping market in Europe and the challenges facing operators there. I started by asking LP to introduce herself and list the many positions she holds within the industry. I'm Elpi Petraki. I am the Operations Chartering and Business Development Manager in Enea Management, a shipping company. I'm also the president of Wista Hellas, the Women's International Shipping and Trading Association. And I do hold the position of the second vice president in the Hellenic Short Sea Shipping Association. If I may say, I'm also in the board of the Maritime Museum of Greece which is another thing that they have in heart. That is a lot of hats to wear. You must have been an incredibly busy woman. Let's get into the question. So as we mark the first International Day for Women in Maritime, certainly considering your position at Worcester Hellas, how useful do you think these sorts of initiatives are for promoting maritime careers to women and supporting those already in the industry? I do believe uh, raising awareness is the first thing we need to do So since the IMO started getting involved with the diversity gap and raising awareness on diversity issues on all respects, diversity is very important because I think everybody in the industry now pays attention to it. So people are aware of it and know that small gap in several areas might exist, but in others a bit bigger and we need to do something about it. So it is very important. And as long as we don't stick on the celebration days and uh, just having, uh, you know, reasons of uh, celebrating something and do work on it is very important. These sorts of days have to mean something for the, the longer haul, right? And speaking about the longer haul, have you seen any progress on inclusivity and diversity within the span of your own career? I've been in the industry for 24 years now, and I've also studied uh, maritime uh, business and maritime law, so I was long before that in it. And I have to say, I do see a lot of difference. The moment I started my career, there were not so many women around. Although I come, if I may say, from a family that my mom as well used to work in shipping, so that was many years ago, and there were many women then as well. Now it's uh, massive. In the beginning of my career, I would see many women lawyers mainly being involved, but now it's all over the sector. This is very important, I think, and we do see change. Where we don't see a lot of change is in the sea. Still, there is a huge gap there. There are difficulties. We do understand and we do try to work on it, and I am always trying to work on it as well. And as president of Worcester Hellas, you must have a really clear view of what does and doesn't work when it comes to these sort of support initiatives. What do you personally think are the most effective initiatives that you've seen within our industry? Let me just talk about WISTA for a second and say that the most important thing I've seen for WISTA doing, and it has worked for myself as well and for many other ladies, is uh, the networking part and bringing people together. It brings you the strength and you get the paradigm of other people that having succeed and you understand that it's easy for you to do it as well. And you have 
people from the same background that you can ask for assistance or um, any tips that they can help you with. Another very important thing is the education part. We believe in continuous education and the only way to make women and people in general qualified and even more qualified for all the difficulties we face every day in shipping is through continuous education. And that is why in Wistelas, we have uh, programs we started last year, and we run it for a second year this year, a leadership program specific for women in maritime with a big graduate business school in Greece. And we have universities supporting us and uh, we jointly give scholarships for master's degrees for ladies. So in shipping, in logistics, and in maritime business. So three universities are with us on that. And on WISTA international level, there are many things and many initiatives that are, uh, WISTA is doing to support women through continuous education and to give them the skills. A lot of those initiatives seem quite focused, perhaps on the shore side. Are there initiatives more driven towards seafarers? This year, WISTA Posidonia runs and WISTA LAS uh, is taking the initiative of having a seminar where we will talk about women at sea. We will try to give the good examples, the companies that have succeeded in implementing women into the workforce and women who are captains or uh, mechanical engineers and how they have succeeded. We want people to know that this can happen. It has its difficulties, but this can happen. And on international level, I know that WISTA International has worked with Anglo Eastern Company. It was a booklet on safety issues about women at sea. So these are initiatives that we now have, and I'm sure in the future we will have more where we can tackle the issue because it's not a problem. It's just an issue that we have to overcome. Absolutely. My next question was going to be, but I think we may have answered it. Where should the industry focus when it comes to supporting women in maritime? You've already brought up education and a need to focus on seafarers themselves. Are there any other areas that you see we need to be focusing more on? I believe that setting out examples is a very important area. So when we include women in top level, or even in not so top level, less level of management, out there to speak in conferences for other women to see them, that they have succeeded. It is very common to see women reluctant to go out there and speak. Women with experience, with many, many years of experience, not less qualified than their men colleagues, not willing to go out there and um, expose themselves. So through example, I think this can become better. Yeah. And, and through personal experience, as I'm sure you know, informal markets are an events company and Sea Trade hosts a lot of events around the world, it is very difficult to get female speakers to come forward and want to speak in some areas. WISTA International is uh, two years now, but COVID has uh, stopped things going fast, trying to do with the IMO, a speakers bureau, where we can have all these women in a template somewhere so people can go there and find them. Originally, several WISTAs, we ourselves in WISTA allies, and I think a couple of more WISTAs, have done this in national level. So again, when we have uh, organizers coming to us and asking, do you have uh, women in digitalization who can speak on that? And we can go there and, and look at the ladies who are willing to go out. 
Yeah, that's a brilliant idea. And it's something that I think I've seen, it might be the UK Chamber of Shipping, or perhaps it's Worcester in the UK. But there certainly is such a bank of that for speakers within the UK. And to see that more broadly would be fantastic and get some more more diverse experiences on the... the, (laughs) Great. That's excellent news. Just turning back to the sea, I recently wrote a story, I guess it was last week, about the most recent Seafarer Happiness Index. I'm sure you were aware of that. And it's at its lowest level, I think, since the index was started. I wondered if that's something that you see across your work and if you have any ideas of how we perhaps try to support the morale of our seafarers. It is something that the industry is aware of, especially because of COVID. COVID has made the life of seafarers very hard. You know, outside the industry, people don't understand that. People do not understand what seafarers do for all of us every day. And the fact that these people could not get out of the vessels, even if they were ill, they could not get ashore, or they could not be provided the medication they needed, or uh, the ones stranded outside the vessels could not get a job. The ones in the vessels did not know and still do not know when they will see their families in some case. All this is very, very stressful for them. And the industry understands. And I think out of this bad experience, something good will come out. It's the first time that the industry is so concentrated on the human factor and the, the feelings of the seafarers on board, the psychological I mean, aspect of them. There are many initiatives around that. And I do believe the shipping companies really do everything they can and they have done through the pandemic to ease the seafarers. But there is a lot to be done and nations have to understand that the seafarers are key workers and they need to have the ability to get on shore if there is need for that. I do feel for the seafarers, and we should all feel for them. We've spoken about training, and if we extend that to recruitment, does the experience of seafarers through the pandemic and that sort of lull in morale, does that make it more difficult to recruit into the industry and more difficult to perhaps encourage women to join our industry? Yes. And mind you, it's not only the pandemic. Now with the situation of the Ukrainian-Russian situation and with many seafarers coming from these two nations, there is another stressful issue for some vessels and some people on board. What is the family doing behind who is uh, in Ukraine or Russia and how are these people treated on ports? So this is another stressful thing for them. But I am sure at least the industry has their lights on the issue, and things will get better. As for women coming on board, yes, I'm sure this is another factor that might stop them from going uh, on long voyages at least. And this is why the coastal, as we call it, the, uh, the USA calls it, or we in Europe, we call it short sea shipping, is an area where women can more easily go on trips because this stress factor is out. Understood. So do you see shipping as perhaps a bit of a, a gateway into the maritime industry? Yes, I do think. I like, like the cruise industries, which there are m- many more women on board, the short sea shipping as well, I do see it in Greece happening through the association I'm involved. I do see my other colleagues in other companies. We all hire women where we can. And uh, of course, We have to stress that the environment has to be right on board. It's not always the right environment on board. We need for these women to be safe and be happy on what they do. And of course, there are too many companies with long-haul voyages that do have women 
and uh, it works. If you're enjoying listening, make sure you never miss an episode of the Maritime Podcast by subscribing on the app of your choice. As you said earlier, it surely makes sense to look at where it works, study why it works, and then try to learn best practice from those companies. You just moved on to short sea shipping, which is fantastic. I always hate to interview women in shipping about just being women. Uh, So let's turn to your practical expertise. I don't like to be interviewed (laughs) only about that because I do believe we all have a professional reason of being out there. It's not the fact that Absolutely. we Absolutely. You know, I, I just certainly wouldn't have dwelled on it for so long were it not for, for marking the uh, International Day for Women in Maritime. But I think also to, to ignore those issues would be wrong as well. Perhaps if you could tell us about the specific challenges being faced in the short sea shipping sector at the moment. Okay, so the short sea shipping area, especially in Europe, where the new rules of the European Union will first appear and the vessels that do work around Europe and calling European ports will be affected more. It's a big factor that we are concerned with. Another thing is that the short sea shipping industry is mainly not of big companies. So it's uh, smaller companies with family orientated. So the assets are not that big. So we cannot, unfortunately, although we want, invest in experimenting for all the changes that will come. Although it's our moment because the new technologies we have to adapt as a shipping industry to tackle the environmental issues, on short sea shipping is where they can be tested easier because we talk about short distances with counted ports. So we know which ports we will call. It's not exactly like liner shipping, but it is the closest thing to that. So the new technologies can apply easier. We can test new batteries apart from the short ferry distances that are now being tested. We can test them on uh, coastal, let's say, shipping very well. Hydrogen uh, new models, ammonia new models. It is an area where it can be tested. The funds is difficult to find. So we don't talk about huge companies who have an uh, enormous amount of uh, money and they can test and invest in um, experiment. Yeah, I've seen um, quite a lot of wind propulsion projects being picked up in that short sea shipping segment initially. And a lot of that is with some support, at least from the likes of the European Union. Is that quite an important factor, support from governments and other organizations to test these technologies on the water? We have seen in the countries where these have been implemented in Norway, Germany, or the northern countries, I would say, the government is somehow involved in it. Or the funds, I mean, the government, not the government as such, but the funds, uh, they come from uh, governmental or European funding project. So we still, in the south of Europe, have to find ways to, to get these funds and implement them. Sure. And staying on the south, what steps is the Greek shipping community taking to reduce its carbon emissions? I know we're we're, we're fast approaching Posidonia this year, and I'm sure we'll hear a lot about it. Perhaps you, you can give us a bit of a preview of Greece's zero carbon future. If I can, I will. But the truth is, everybody understands this. Everybody wants to be in this um, road towards a zero green shipping emissions. It is challenging because uh, finding alternative fuels is still 
not there. I mean, we don't have the alternative fuels and moving towards that is a challenge, but we all want to do it. So we need to find the way to do it. And I have seen a lot of big companies, uh, Greek companies and other international companies have started to invest in vessels with ammonia, hydrogen, whatever each of them can do. So I think we are trying to start this journey. No one says this will not happen. It will happen and we all have to be on board. Yes, it's, uh, no one's saying it's an easy transition either. And as things like decarbonisation come in, we're looking at an increased regulatory burden, as you've already mentioned, from the likes of the EU and the IMO. And you've already mentioned that short sea shipping is quite a fragmented market. Do you see these regulatory pressures perhaps forcing mergers that companies become bigger and try to make the most of the economies of scale they can get? It could be. I will not say it will be because I will try to be optimistic for all of us having small companies. As always, I think we will find a way to adapt and to change, to move forward. And if that is through mergers, we will see. It is a new emerging market for shipping. We don't know what will come out of this. We are in a transition period and I think we have to expect everything. And maybe nothing will change, but we will all find a nice way to move forward. One thing we can do, uh, sorry, I didn't mention that before, I want to mention it, is the small technical changes and um, retrofitting improvements we can do on our current fleet. Because one matter is to have a new fleet with new technologies, which will take years and a lot of energy to make it and a lot of cost. But there are ways now that we can make small improvements that can reduce the carbon footprint of all our vessels. Everybody's now working on these. I mean, new propellers, new paints, adaptations on the propellers, many using technology to measure the engine's power and this kind of stuff. And even many more I cannot talk about because it's not my speciality. But we are there. Everybody is trying to do something. There are so many technologies out there and they are necessary lest we decide that we're going to scrap every uh, ship on the water and suddenly replace them all in the next few years. Retrofitting certainly a very important thing for us to be doing. It sounds like you perhaps don't like the idea of consolidation within the short sea shipping sector. Do you think there are benefits to a more fragmented market and to smaller companies operating in that area? the consolidation might need to happen because it will give the companies the power and the means to facilitate and to follow all these new regulations. I was recently in a meeting, we were trying to discuss of what is coming and companies will in the future need to hire people just doing the measures of carbon uh, emissions, the carbon uh, stock market maybe, and uh, many, many other things. So yes, the reality is that small companies will not have the means and the cost will be huge for them. But we will see. I mean, I do remember, as I said earlier, in the 90s when the ISM was uh, coming into force, uh, people were like crazy. Which small companies will uh, not be existing anymore. They won't be able to adapt. Everybody adapted and moved forward. I've seen plenty of people, I think perhaps it was someone from Scorpio talking about how the size of their business and one of the key strengths that they think they have is the ability to deal with all this administration around regulation. And that's why they back themselves for the future, because they're practiced at it and they're good at it. 
But I think on the other side of that coin is when you look at small and medium-sized businesses, they tend to be better at adapting quickly to changes in the market. It's a, sort of a, a trait of a smaller company. Exactly. And think about how I introduce myself. Chartering, operations, business development. And I'm not the only person doing that in the company. So we have a more maybe hectic job, but it's a smaller fleet, so it can be done. And we are involved in every area that is necessary to do. So maybe that's the way for us that we survive. Absolutely. And you you said about this meeting where you were looking at upcoming regulatory changes. Do you feel like there is enough information out there and enough visibility on what is coming towards the shipping industry? Look, the various organizations, Intertanko, Intercargo, BIMCO, they do try to have a clear opinion and they have uh, working groups on that. And they try to get a clear view and they try to to make regulators understand what is the ship owner's point. I mean, mainly to understand what shipping is all about because, you know, people making decisions don't always know what shipping is all about. Through them, we are being informed It is big organization who will support the industry on that. Your main source for that information is through the associations who are sort of filtering it and interpreting it themselves. And I will not talk about myself because I'm involved in the Chamber of Shipping in Greece as well. So I'm involved, you know, in the association. So I do get more information, but we have to talk about the average ship management company out there. Another hat. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned before that we're fast coming up to Posidonia, and I think as this podcast comes out on or around the 18th of May, people will be putting together their plans for Greece. I mean, the first time in a while for a lot of us that we'll be meeting our colleagues in person, perhaps. Perhaps you could tell us about Worcester Hellas's activities and other activities coming up at Posidonia that people might be interested to look out for. Something that people should certainly look for is the seminar Wista Hellas will be having in Posidonia, the one we talked about just earlier on. It is on the 8th of June, around 2.45, and it will be about women at sea. So everybody's welcome, although it's not a huge room. Whoever wants to attend, we are happy to have them there because we strongly believe it's a time for positive examples to be heard. Another thing Wista Hellas is doing is a cocktail. We always have this cocktail on Wista uh, on Posidonia occasion. So Wista people, uh, members and friends coming from all over the world can join us and we can see each other and interact. And it's great that we have this possibility after four years. I mean, we already have people from Latin America, the US, Africa, telling us they want to join, and we are so happy for that. And we will be also running for, uh, with that team, we'll be running for the Posidonia run on Sunday, just before the commencement of Posidonia. So this is another thing we will do. After that, you know how it is. Anybody who has been to Posidonia or has not been, they should come. It's a lot of meetings, a lot of parties. It's a nice time to be around. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not going out myself this year, but our editor Marcus Hand will be there and covering everything from the show floor and the events going on. I'm sure it'll be a a great time. And apart from the party, let's not forget, we have a lot of uh, conferences happening in the exhibition. When I say we, I mean uh, the industry. Yes, there are loads there. And I know Sea Trade is hosting its Global Maritime Club Summit as well. And I'm going to have to come back and re-record here to put the details of it in because I can't remember what they are. The Global Maritime Club Summit is being held on Thursday, June 9 in Events Area 1 at the show. 
The summit starts with a ministerial welcome, followed by conference discussions on digitalization and two panels looking at the future of seafaring. Full information on that is available at globalmaritimeclub.com. Thank you, Elpi, for appearing on the Maritime Podcast, to seeing you and hearing from you out at Posidonia. Thank you so much, Gary. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs>